The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where pretty much anything goes. I'll share with you some uh, stories related to sexuality, some new research out. Uh, we'll talk tonight about uh, how similar friendship with sex is to romantic love. Have you ever wondered or tried to describe what an orgasm feels like? We'll try to do that. Uh, tips for having more sex and why many marriages may not survive a second wave. But first, this is Passion on It's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me, laurie at drlaurie.com. You can do it through the iHeartRadio app. You can uh, just go to my website, drlaurie.com, and contact me there as well. So I get lots of rants and people, and you can do that. It's fine. There's You can ask questions. You can give me your thoughts on some stuff that you heard during uh, during the week. You can tell me how you're feeling in terms of your uh, general uh, mental health, especially during this the pandemic and all of that. So please feel free, or you can... Can, uh, contact me right here right now at 514-800. This one is a leftover text from last night, which I never got to. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been dating for three years. We don't live together and she has younger children. At the beginning of our relationship, we used to have a much more active sex life. Since last November, it's less than once per month. She says her interest is not always there like me. I find it too infrequent, but when I talk about it, she says it's challenging. We are both in our mid-40s. Any suggestions on how to discuss this with her? Am I being needy to ask for intimacy? So this is a good question and probably and, and something that's very, very uh, common. So generally speaking, the first year to two years of a relationship is when you're having generally the most sex. And after that, something happens, at least for women, the, the, the lust hormone or that newness factor uh, wanes and frequency starts to diminish a little bit. At least the spontaneous desire for sex may diminish. That doesn't mean that your partner isn't attracted to you, uh, wanting to want to have sex with you. There's a difference between interest and uh, the desire for it. So you experience it as horniness or you're, you have this spontaneous desire uh, for sex, whereas she may not have that. Now, a lot of factors go into how often people have sex. You, you've named a few right here in your text. You don't live together. So finding the time and place, uh, especially she has young kids. So I imagine maybe she's uncomfortable in her own home when the kids are home or she has to wait till uh, the uh, maybe the dad takes the kids and then she's more free. So the timing may be off and that's where she may find it challenging. I would want to find out that when you do have sex, does she enjoy it? Is it uh, pleasurable for her and such? So that would that's a good sign. And for most women, they'll say yes. Like when it happens, it's great. It's a question of getting the, the get up and go to do it. It's just that if many factors play into women's desire, it seems far more 
uh, than men. So that's, it's a bit of a generalization because there are men too who are affected by all kinds of stressors and, and things and other factors. But generally speaking, um, for women, it, a lot of these things. So you may want to talk about uh, asking her like, hey, is there anything I can do to um, to help, like to help with these challenges, right? So do, do we need to uh, go to a hotel? Do we need to plan more? Uh, try and plan for sex also. So if you uh, can see each other at least once a week where you don't have to worry about the kids and you don't have all these challenges around, that might at least help. So if you can shoot for, for once a week, it requires planning. And maybe that's where you can be helpful with her is, is the planning. If you keep bugging her for it, yes, you're going to feel needy, but not only that, she's going to feel maybe pressured and you're not going to really get any, any more by, uh, by putting that kind of pressure on, but having a talk and saying, Hey, I'd like, I'd like to make this happen, uh, for us. I want more intimate time together. I want to spend more connection together. How do we make this, uh, make this happen? Uh, text writes, Hmm, if she's not opening up to you, there may be a yellow light flashing. I would try a few different seduction techniques. Maybe that will help. You know what? It's not, I don't think so. I don't think it's about the, the seduction and I don't think it's about not opening up. She merely is saying it's challenging for me. So I, I would push that and say, what's challenging. Let's talk about what's challenging. Let's see how we can reduce uh, reduce the challenges. It's, it, it may not have nothing to do with your ability to seduce. Um, that's how complicated women's uh, desire is and, and, um, and what gets in the way. If it was as simple as just learning how to seduce, um, yeah, but it's not, unfortunately. Okay, couple more uh, texts. This one's a bit of a rant. Uh, I tried, I really tried to give men on dating sites a fair shake and I, and all I get back are lies and the ones that I'm very interested in there does not seem to be any click or worse yet, they are attached. I get one nut who said he is the passion poet, another guy who said he is a retired NASA engineer who cannot even spell correctly. I can go on and on. Now with this news item saying COVID may be with us another two to three years and we will have to continue social distancing and masks, it's getting too much. Maybe what they are really trying to tell us, it is it is not if a person will get COVID-19, it is only a question of when, unless you are willing to live in a bubble. It was termed as the bo- boomer remover, and I think it is an accurate term. That's the first time I hear that. I'm not afraid anymore. Let the cards fall as they may, but I will take precautions, but I plan on living some kind of normal life. Let's be realistic. Every country's economy is in the toilet. Unemployment rate in every developed country is sky high and it will be rising as business slowly falls there is anarchy in the streets black lives matter movement should be all lives matter funny how canadian and american news do not report north korea and china building up their military but it is a news item in european news channels i'm not suggesting there will be a world war but you do not have to be a history major to know what the world conditions were in 1914 and 1938 and the world economies then Oh my God, more and more, more, more ranting about history and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, anyhow, uh, 
Uh, this is a bit of a, a, a doomsday look at things, but nonetheless, uh, a, a bit of a rant. So I feel for you. I really do. And uh, oh, I don't know. Sometimes we have to really, we have to do a click in our brain and start looking around and, and learning how to find the good things in life and find the things we can be grateful for. Because if we just focus on news and more news and news and news and news, it is dark and it just brings us down and we still have to live our lives uh, daily. So let's be grateful for what we have and, uh, and, and try to look at what we have rather than what we don't have. Uh, let's see. We have been enjoying your shows all week and found them very interesting and informative. Trouble Tuesdays are the best and our favorite panels, the baby boomer panel. The three of you seem to be partying during that show makes for a fun, interesting show. My daughter tried texting in the other night, but at the end of the show, you said there was a problem. Uh, we are very concerned now because news is reporting the possibility of another two to three years of COVID restrictions. We are fed up as it is, but doing what we have to. I cannot think of a Christmas without friends and family under current conditions. Halloween is going to be a, be very different, wondering if door-to-door -door will be canceled. We have not had a poem from our passion poet in a while. Everything okay with the poet? Look forward to uh, tonight's show. Fridays are always fun. Thank you for your emails. Appreciate it. Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Oh, I like Friday nights. It's the end of the week. Time to chill on the weekend. At least we're going to get some nice weather. And it's time to share some stories with you. And pretty much anything goes. So it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I uh, read an interesting article about, uh, the headline was, The Price of Friends with Benefits. So looking at uh, research that... Uh, looks at the different kinds of friends with benefits relationships, and there are more than one. Um, it starts off this article with uh, an Oscar Wilde quote, between men and women, there is no friendship possible. There is passion, enmity, worship, love, but no friendship. I wonder how, if people um, agree with that or not. So, there was a research done by a couple of colleagues of mine, actually, Elke Rising and Jocelyn uh, Wentland in 2011, that looked at casual sexual relationships and divided them into four types. There was one-night stands, booty calls, F-buddies, and friends with benefits. Um, so one-night stands are the most superficial of encounters. They are the least emotionally intimate experience they usually take place between strangers or after just a very brief um, acquaintance it happens it ends game over basically booty calls refer to a communication initiated with the urgent intent of having a sexual encounter the purpose of booty calls is to engage in repeated sexual activity with an acquaintance. It's not just a, a one-night thing. Um, despite the acquaintance, individuals participating in booty calls do not consider each other friends. They typically don't stay overnight and they share minimal affection. Booty calls are not planned 
in advance. When booty calls become regular or frequent, then the participants are considered to be F buddies. Um, they are usually friends, but their friendship is largely limited to sexual interactions. Now, friendship with benefits involves the most profound activity among casual sexual relationships in which partners are first of all friends and then they add the sexual uh, bonus. To these types of casual sex, we had those four. There's another one added, which is called sugaring, which is somewhere between the F buddies and friends with benefits where people receive cash and other gifts in exchange for company that can include sex. So the focus here of this article is on friends with uh, benefits because it's the closest one to romantic love. So the question here is... Um, how similar or and how different is it from romantic love? So friends with benefit uh, involves two major aspects of love, friendship and sex. And the thing that differs them from a love in other respects is the level, the low level of commitment, right? Usually no exclusivity, etc. But as in love, friends with benefits involve significant concern, not only for yourself, but also for your friend. It lacks the profound commitment of a long-term partner whom the lover deeply cares about and consistently engages in various sorts of activities with. So having both friendship and sex together while dropping commitment and most types of the sharing is different from profound romantic love. But still, it's usually a pleasurable and exciting relationship. To avoid commitment, the following pieces of advice are often given to friends with benefits. Do not have expectations. Have a time frame for the relationship. Example, no more than three months. Limit your time together to no more than two hours a day. Talk on the phone only once or twice a week. Keep friends out of it. Don't do pillow talk. No sleeping over. And do not romance the partner. Uh, these uh, rules, so to speak, might impede the friends with benefits from becoming lovers. Uh, so friends with benefit constitutes an intermediate, unstable, and relatively brief experience. But we know that this kind of friendship can last beyond weeks and months, sometimes extending to several years. There was a study done in uh, this year by Laura Maccia and her colleagues that found that friends with benefits is indeed relatively short. About one third of the participants in the study reported that their relationship did not survive the first year. The majority of those whose relationship did survive the first year later turned into regular friends, and the majority of those who wanted to transition into a romantic relationship did not do so. So, yes, friends with benefits involves emotional closeness, but not the same strong bond that we see in romantic uh, relationships. The closeness frequently generates, at least in one partner, the wish to upgrade the relations into a romantic one. Such an upgrade means giving up the advantages of friends with benefits and basically killing whatever is there. So, um, friends with benefits is a compromise. Basically, it is 
second best, right? It, but it's a compromise that can be a good and um, enjoyable one. The, the researchers in 2020 found that friends with benefits is characterized by high levels of uncertainty coupled with discrepant ideals. Thus, women are more likely that, uh, than men to hope that the relationship either becomes romantic so remember that. That's why the other studies that show um, these casual relationships are not so good for women. Um, so uh, women more likely than men to hope that the relationship becomes romantic or reverts to friendship without sex, whereas men are more likely to hope that the relationship remains the same. These researchers suggest that friends with benefit requires partners to fully discuss the rules of their relationship. And they say this is rarely done which damages the quality of the relationship. Friends with benefits is not suitable for all people or for all periods of our lives. It is particularly difficult when the friends are married and have young children. The optimal circumstances may be those of young people before marriage and older people who have uh, grown children. They conclude with many people will continue to feel compromised by completely abandoning either romantic profundity or romantic freedom. Hence, they will want to find more flexible and diverse relations like friends with benefits, which seem to feature the best of both worlds, but can also be problematic because they combine these uh, worlds. And they, as they say, even in friends with benefits, there is no free lunch. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Passion Poet weighs in. Uh, can you be a friends with benefits? Is there really passion there or do you just want sex and you don't really care? It's best to have a connection, a regular someone for sex. You are always on the same page and your experience will be best. Don't expect it to last forever. So don't be upset when it ends. If you're both, if you're both fairly reasonable, you may remain good friends. That's really good in principle, but in reality, when one person in the friends with benefit relationship is hoping for more and wants to see it go elsewhere, even secretly, maybe not even verbalizing that, uh, then somebody gets hurt. That's, that's the problem with that. Uh, just a text came in a question. I believe my partner lives across the border and we haven't seen each other since March. We're both comfortable with our relationship, not being sexual, how we do miss being intimately close. His coworkers have started putting social pressure on him to dump me and find somebody local. He says he's not entertaining the idea and finds it funny, but if social distancing like this has to continue for another two years, I am gray asexual. So ordering on a sexual, I don't know, border, I'm not sure what that means. He has a high libido. I've been abused, used, and thrown it, thrown away sexually by partners before for not giving in often enough to their pressuring me. Many times the abuse would start after their peers started pressuring them. I don't think that I'm going to make it through a second wave. Um, you know, you may want to talk to somebody about this, a professional, and and uh, work through some of your sexual issues and some of your trust issues with men, uh, figuring out your own sexuality. So people who have had traumatic histories uh, regarding, like with their sexuality, ha may have trouble and develop um, 
you know, may, may not feel safe or have an aversion to sex or uh, don't allow themselves to have uh, sexual uh, desire and such, but it's something you should really work out if you've seen this to be a pattern, even questioning, you know, why did you choose a partner that uh, lives across the border or somebody who is not so readily available? Maybe this is, it works for you because you don't get you don't see each other that often and so you maybe don't have to commit to uh, regular sexuality so this is something that you really may want to talk to a professional about I really highly recommend it I think it would help you kind of figure this out um, for yourself Um, let's see what do we have here all right uh, next thing up I want to talk about (laughs) and maybe you can tell me if you could describe it let's see how good you are describing this Uh, an article on what does an orgasm feel like for a woman do you think you could describe it in words I, I this is a challenge now so if there are ladies listening and men can do this too for themselves that's fine what an orgasm feels like for you or what you think an orgasm feels like for women if you can use three words to maybe three is too much go for one word to describe what an orgasm feels like it's also like asking what does love feel like right this is not an easy question so I'm challenging you to try and figure that out to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. I want to share with you an interesting article um, by Vanessa Martin and Carolyn Stieber about what an orgasm feels like for a woman. But I wanted to challenge you to try to describe it. And I find this very interesting because it often happens that women will consult with me will we'll, in a session and will come in with the problem of I don't orgasm or I have no idea if I orgasm. And part of it is because of the expectations that they have. So getting women to describe what they're feeling is challenging. So I'm challenging you. So I've got a couple here. This one I love because I could totally relate to this. I can't describe it in one word, but it's comparable to when you have to pee so bad that your bladder hurts and you make it to the bathroom in a photo finish. This That feeling of relief times 10. Now, everybody knows how that feels. It's like, ah, right? You, you, you even like do the sound when, when, when that happens. At least I know what that feels like. I'm sure you do too. Uh, someone else says, I could only do three words, popping a balloon. So it feels like popping a balloon. Uh, someone else says, total release, satisfaction, and contentment for both males and females. Uh, another one says, explosion of everything. And as a male, I would be curious to know what it feels like for a woman to have a penis in a vagina. So let's. Ch- I'm challenging you. Keep keep them coming. Your your words to describe the female orgasm or any orgasm for for that matter um 
you can use three words, you could use whatever words you want, a sentence, doesn't matter. But this is the question often that I get, right? Like, how do I know, how can I know if I'm having an orgasm? So there, there was a study done that showed that 32% of women uh, said that they did not know if they were having orgasms or not. That's a third. A third of women have no clue. Why is that? We need to unpack that for a minute and, and, and see what, what this is. Okay. So for some, true, it might be not so easy uh, to orgasm. But for others, it's it's looking for the uh, mind-blowing experience, right? And if they if that's what they're looking for and waiting for, they're missing all the other sensations. So they might say, well, I'm not getting that, whatever that mind-blowing thing is supposed to feel like, uh, so I must not be having an orgasm. And that's where, uh, that's where the problems can begin. So there's no really one description, by the way. It varies. From woman to woman, it varies. And it is not so easy to describe what it's like uh, to have one, just like it's not easy to describe what it is to feel love, right? So in this article, they give you general descriptions of what an orgasm feels like. They say that most orgasms tend to fall into three uh, very broad categories. Orgasms may feel like the peak of sexual pleasure during that particular encounter, something that feels different from the other sensations you felt, or a release of built-up pressure. So either a peak or a release. They're not, they don't always have, both of them don't always happen. So women have described their orgasms as uh, tremors, like a little sneeze, blips of pleasure, out-of-body experience, a small sigh, hurts so good, uh, an intense focus pinpoint of pleasure. So as you see, these are all very, very different um, different descriptions of, of the word orgasm. So like describing it is, is, can be so different from everybody, right? So again, um, when you're like expecting something, you, you might not be, you might start thinking that you're not having one at all. If you're expecting one thing and getting something else that doesn't resemble the one thing that you are, uh, experiencing. So orgasms can happen at different intensity, uh, levels at different times. Some days you might have what would be considered big orgasms. Other days, smaller ones. Some can feel powerful, other times tiny, inconsequential. But does it matter? Do we need to know if one counted as one or not? As long as a person feels good, even if it is just a blip of pleasure, that's all that really matters. And for women, and this maybe men have a harder time understanding this, but for women, the pleasure is more important than the orgasm. Like women who have regular pleasure, even those women who don't regularly orgasm with sex, still describe very satisfactory sex lives. Ask men the same thing, they might not say the same, right? So it's a little bit different. 
the, the orgasms can also feel differently depending on the areas of the body that you are feeling it, right? Some women will have orgasms that they feel with clitoral stimulation, other women with G-spot stimulation, with uh, vaginal uh, stimulation. Sometimes women will even experience an orgasm through a very passionate kiss, through other erogenous zones in their, uh, in their body, etc. So many different ways, right? So um, are there some telltale signs that you have orgasmed? They say, if you find yourself truly puzzled about whether or not you're having an orgasm, try paying more attention to how your body responds when you think you're close. Again, everyone is different, but most people will have some sort of involuntary physiological response. You might feel your muscles shaking or twitching uncontrollably, for example, or your heart rate increase suddenly. Similarly, if your breath skips a beat or your chest gets flushed, you might be having an orgasm. But consciously, with awareness, you may not identify that as an orgasm. So when I see women in my practice, this is why I ask them to describe what happens to them. And oftentimes, I'm like, there it is. That was an orgasm. (laughs) You know, that was it. Those are the physiological changes. And they're like, really? I was waiting for, you know, fireworks. I didn't see fireworks. So they didn't think they had one. Um, (laughs) The other thing, too, is that women can have multiple orgasms in quick uh, successions, right? So um, some women may feel like they aren't completely uh, finished um, and because they can keep going. That's the that's the the, that's where women are are pretty um, fortunate. So a lot of women are, are maybe looking for the completion, that feeling of uh, you know, like being, being spent and that may, that may not happen. So sometimes an orgasm can feel like that, like a release, but, um, don't rule out the fact that you had an orgasm just because you don't feel finished. So do you see how subtle it can be? So in rea- they say, in reality, orgasms don't always feel amazing. Again, some orgasms can actually feel like a letdown, while others can feel mildly painful or uncomfortable. Some can trigger emotional releases. You know, some women say that they cry after an orgasm or feel like when you have to sneeze really badly, but the sneeze dies in your nose. And that can also be an orgasm, believe it or not. Uh, They suggest that, well, practice makes perfect. The more you keep masturbating, the better you'll get at making yourself orgasm. More experience will help you be able to identify your orgasms more readily and learn what your body needs to have better orgasms. And this is why as women get older and are more in touch with their bodies, they they describe having far better uh, sexuality. So it may not be like as high on quantity, but quality is certainly, um, there. In the words of Marvin, the Martian, where's the kaboom? There's supposed to be an earth shattering kaboom. And that's the big myth. And if you're expecting the kaboom, you may miss out on having the orgasm. Unfortunately, (laughs) another text says euphoria is best description.
a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Lots, uh, lots of stories to share with you tonight, and uh, interesting, uh, interesting conversation about description of orgasms. I love this one. It's bottom of the ninth, two out, bases loaded. You are behind by three runs, and it's full count, and you hit a grand slam home run. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, I don't think that women are lucky that they can have multiple orgasms. Just makes them want more when you're too tired. Then they cheat. No, that's not why women cheat. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. All right, let's talk about this. This is an article by Caitlin Cantor in Psychology Today. Three tips for having more sex. It goes to say, it says this, having more sex is often not a matter of making sex more exciting. It's often a matter of dealing with the issues that are making sex stressful. Now, I can relate to this as a therapist who works with uh, with couples where sex is a stressful uh, issue, and this makes a lot of sense. If you worry about being criticized, judged, pressured, or in some way hurt when you have sex, it makes sense that you might start avoiding it. If you're not getting your needs met, it makes sense that you'd become less interested in having it. If you feel pressure to perform or orgasm, you may find yourself less excited to have sex. Usually the issues that present during sex also exist in your relationship outside of sex. If your partner is critical or hurtful when you have sex, it's probably true that your partner is critical and hurtful in similar ways in your relationship outside of sex. Who we are in bed is who we are in life. Tell me if you agree with that statement. Sexual issues are relational issues. You know, I've often said this, when people present with a sexual problem, the problem is the symptom. And this is exactly what this article is talking about. It's important to work on your relational issues if you want to have more sex. It's not reasonable to expect to want to have more sex when you don't feel emotionally safe in your relationship. And it's best to work on these relational issues outside the bedroom rather than trying to do it when you're being intimate and you're at your most vulnerable. Working on your relationship and deepening your connection will support you in feeling like you can be vulnerable. Ultimately, having more sex is often the result of having more emotional connection and healing old wounds. Instead of focusing on the sex itself, shift your focus to working on the relationship and you'll find yourself moving along in your sex life as well. I can completely attest to those words, by the way, and completely support these words because that has been the experience in my 30 years of work in this field. Uh, they, the article goes on to say three areas to work on to promote having more sex include, but are not limited to, being less critical. It's important to learn how to speak about your feelings and needs in a respectful way. When you communicate with criticism, your point is often missed and feelings are always hurt. Stop speaking down to your partner. When you judge your partner, the way you speak to them comes out as judgmental. Speaking this way is the other end of speaking from a place of respect. Feeling looked down on does not increase the likelihood that you or your partner will want to have sex and be more vulnerable. It's important to create more emotional safety in your relationship. And finally, the third one is be more present. If you're not being present with each other, you're likely not connecting. It's important for a lot of people to feel connected to their partner to want to have sex. 
Feeling disconnected is a big turnoff for a lot of people. Start putting away electronics, etc. Planning time to talk together, enjoy a show together, have a drink together, and more. Be fully with each other. Working on these issues in your relationship will translate into your sex life and all areas of life. The more safety you and your partner feel together, the easier it will be to get in the mood more often. Absolutely agree with this. Absolutely agree. Uh, let's see. Let me end with, uh, with this. Why many marriages may not survive a second wave. This was an article in Psychology Today by uh, uh, a Dr. Kislev uh, stating that recent reports show COVID-19 to be unhealthy to marriage and it's getting worse. Around the world, couplehood faces one of its hardest times in human history. The expectation is that once courts are fully open in the West, divorce rates will skyrocket, as has already happened in China, Hong Kong, and other places after a first wave of COVID-19. While divorce rates already stand at around 50% in many Western countries like the U.S., these numbers are expected to rise even higher. Rising divorce rates are only the tip of the iceberg. All over the world, we see rising numbers of domestic abuse cases. According to a United Nations report, in France, for example, domestic cases, violence cases increased by 30% since the lockdown on March 17. In Argentina, emergency calls for domestic violence have increased by 25% since the lockdown. These numbers reveal a broader picture of severe crises worldwide. The family institution is falling apart everywhere. The current number of women who experience domestic abuse in the last 12 months alone stands at the impalpable number of 243 million women and girls worldwide. Divorce rates are rising even in the most conservative countries and birth rates are plunging in almost all countries. In Saudi Arabia, for example, reports show that the COVID-19 lockdown brought women to uncover secret marriages of their husbands, leading yet again to rising divorce requests. What will happen in the second wave of COVID-19? This article says, it's time to look at what will happen next to those who are, who are married as well as to those who cohabit together. Researchers argue that the continuation of social distancing will bring many partnered people to deal with troubled relationships. During the first wave of COVID, many couples face painful situations of conflict or simply boredom, and these situations are only getting worse as the lockdown continues. One of the reasons for this is that couples may be trapped in a relationship they were forced into socially or mentally due to social pressure and the expectations of society. Many of them managed to avoid the troubles they had in their relationships up till now. But the unique situation we are in forces many couples to face each other. Couples need to deal with the fact they are together only because they fear to be alone or stigmatized as singles. So this is not a very pretty picture that is uh, painted, right? They say the next wave of COVID-19 might be a real test to the marriage path versus the living alone path. Both conditions are expected to evolve and change with more stress and social distancing rules. Now, I know um, just from the calls that I get right now is that marriages 
are suffering. A lot of marriages are suffering. And I'm urging, I'm urging you, pleading with you that if you are finding yourselves in conflict a lot and you're not able to resolve a lot of things together and your communication is suffering, reach out, reach out. Psychologists are here, uh, marriage therapists, we're all here to listen and to help. Most of us, many of us are doing it virtually. Some people are back in the office. I am not. I'm, I'm doing, um, doing uh, sessions virtually, but I'm, I'm busy. Like this is a time when people are seeking help. So I'm asking you to, rather than uh, go to court, to divorce court, Seek out help first and see if you can salvage uh, your relationship. Always remember, you were once in love. That love is somewhere there. Let's not forget why you fell in love. So if we can figure out some of these issues, um, that would be helpful. All right. Thank you. That was uh, that was fun. Lots of interesting topics tonight. I want to thank you all for for listening, and thank you for all of your your texts. Uh, you you came came up to the challenge there and uh, did well with your descriptions of orgasms. Very proud of you all. Uh, thank you to our technical producer Nicole Proano, to our passion researcher Linda Delisi. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website drlori.com. On the website, you will find a couple of TEDx talks that I did on uh, sexual desire, on sex and long-term relationships, information about my book. And also, there's a tab that says Passion Radio, where you've got all the past uh, shows, our podcasts of past shows that you uh, can listen you know, at your leisure, basically. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.